Now tuning in to Earbud Media. Audio for everyone. Anthropology in the time of the apocalypse. Ah. Anthropology in the time of the apocalypse. Ah. Anthropology. anthropology in the time of the apocalypse. Ah. Anthropology in the time of the apocalypse. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Anthropology in the Time of the Apocalypse. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> We're really pumped today. We have an awesome guest who's involved in so many things, Mm -hmm, Megan. mm -hmm. She's like, I feel like poetry. Her words are really just, she's very wise is the thing. And like wise and not the like obnoxious racist way where everyone is like, yes, this woman is a person of color who's wise. But just like, she's really (laughs) like (laughs) someone you want to listen to talk about like dust. She can do Mm -hmm. that. Big brain energy. Yes. Yes. Very wonderful to speak to her. So in this week, in this episode, we talk about like everything, teaching, studentry, mm-hmm. reading, and just like all, all like moving all of the things into online formats and what that has been like and how it's a rewarding and also really more mourning so many things. Living yeah. at home with your parents post-grad. Oh, yeah. And surviving it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, is it surviving? Really, it's not. <laughs> Managing it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, she's involved in so many fun things. So yeah, stick around, listen to that, and enjoy this episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Hi. We're here. We're recording. It's Nina. And Erin. And we have today a wonderful guest. And I'm Megan. Megan! Do you go by Megan or Meg? Uh, Funny thing, I didn't go by Meg until I moved to Chicago, and then I decided I was going to be a Meg. Uh, so that's how most folks in Chicago know me. And then I moved back home and I yeah. was Megan again. So yeah, because yeah, when I was Megan again, which is weird for my Chicago friends. Yeah, I was about to say, you introduced yourself to be as Meg. So I was like, oh, okay. Do you feel like you are more of a Meg or a Megan? I think it depends on what context I'm in. I feel like Megan is very much my home personality, the person that I've been forever. And then Meg was the ran away to Chicago for two years and let myself invent myself for the first time. We love a nickname. Well, I was just about to say, me and Aaron are four lettered named humans. And so I don't I never get nicknames. They're never shorter than my name. Have you had a nickname, Aaron? I used to call you Ernie. (laughs) I, my friends in high school called me urn. My face was photoshopped onto an urn. My mom calls me like air bear though, but that's like not a shortening of my name, except like there's right. the air, but yeah. then you have to add something. Yeah. My nickname for my family is also Nina Bina or Nina Bean. And recently it's just been shortened to Bean. And then my sister calls me, if anyone has watched the show, what is it? Parks and Rec. She calls me DJ Roomba. Because of the little Roomba machine. Um, and I do, I really don't know why. <laughs> but if not that, she also calls me potato because I look like one. Which is nice. Yeah. None of which are shorter than your name. Right. Nothing will be, ever be shorter than my name. You know, Megan, we should lengthen your name. We have to add something after it so you can yeah. join. Oh, has anyone ever called you Megatron? Yes. And my partner calls me Mega Millions because he says he's won the lottery. He's very corny. That is so sweet. That is so sweet. My partner just calls me Bean. (laughs) Okay, also sweet. (laughs) That's really, that's adorable. Oh my god. Wow, he did win the lottery. I agree. I have to agree. Meg, how are you feeling today? It's a bit rainy where I am, but it is a Friday. 
So doing all right. Did have to cancel seeing my grandparents for Thanksgiving for COVID today. Mm-hmm. So down in the dumps about that. Yeah. Celebrating community health and yeah, right. supporting yeah. our family and our neighbors. You could Zoom with them. <laughs> Yeah. Do your grandparents live in Rhode Island too? No, it was going to be a trip to Florida, which was like probably not even a good time, when, a good idea when we planned it. But we like were hoping it was a an adventure and optimism. Dang. Well, I'm glad you're actually one of the few people who care. <laughs> I was just talking to my partner and her grandparents are hosting people. We both are just don't think it's a great idea. People are definitely conflicted. I'm a little confused about the new advisory, at least in Chicago, that we have. Because it's it's like a soft want and not an enforced rule. The bars and stuff aren't closed right yet. Not yet. It closes the 16th, I think, is the stay-at-home order. Oh. November 16th. Which means the next three days, COVID is not a big deal. Just yeah. enjoy it well. Uh. The next three days, people are surely going to be going out harder because... They won't be able to once again. I know so many of the people I went to high school with are really like out in Chicago. Like nothing's happening, especially in Wrigleyville, which is already so dirty and gross. Exactly. (laughs) Like black floors. (laughs) And like, I feel like everyone there is always a little wet for like, and we don't know what is the substance, sweat or alcohol or tears. It's just wet. All of them. Yeah. I was nannying in around Irving Park and I would take the kids for walks. And the amount of people in Wrigley that I saw without masks was just... Well, I literally was just coming back from... I had to run a bunch of errands and I had to go to Lincoln Park. And I really don't step foot in there, but my pharmacy is there. (laughs) And there was just... People were just walking around, no masks, hanging out, eating. I was like, guys, don't you feel unsafe? Like, I was in the, the car, and I was still like, I hope it doesn't seep through the vents, you know? <laughs> I just don't understand. Everybody should cancel Thanksgiving plans. What is uh, Rhode Island like, COVID-wise, yeah. for you? We are on a fast track, I think, to another lockdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, cases are rising really high. Uh, there's about 1,000 new cases per day here, which is not oh, wow. acceptable for how small a state we are. Yeah, Rhode Island is tiny. It is. So I've been like watching mostly, you know, I was watching cases here, and I've been keeping track of them in Illinois and Florida. Florida's like 5,000 new cases per day, but like we're not a fifth of the size of Florida, so our cases should not be a fifth of their cases. Things are not great here. I think the warm weather has been lulling folks into a a false sense of security, Mm -hmm. plus the fact that a lot of students do come in from other places for college. And in a small state like this, every town is kind of a college town. Providence, where a lot of students Mm -hmm. are living and partying and doing all sorts of dumb things. What made you decide to move back home? Timing. Uh, I only came out to Chicago for my graduate degree, so it always kind of had a two-year cap on Mm -hmm. that journey. Um, My partner lives here, my family lives here, starting my quote-unquote adult life uh, (laughs) in in a place where I was not thousands of miles. Are you no longer teaching at DePaul? I'm not teaching at DePaul. I am teaching, though. So I am teaching first-year writing and intro to public speaking at Johnson & Wales University well as a side job with a nonprofit in the Midwest still. Oh, dope. So you're like overworked, <laughs> is what you're saying. What yeah. teacher isn't really? Definitely. How has it been a difficult transition going back home? How do you feel about it? A little bit. At times, yes. I think when I came back, I felt much more physically rated in a place than I had in a long time. I moved to Chicago and 
did not feel like I ever really let myself move past that liminal threshold mm-hmm. space. Uh, so coming back here and being on my old stomping grounds does come with its own comforts, mm-hmm. as does having a car again. And I take comfort in knowing that a lot of folks are in my situation as well, as well as are in situations that don't have the kind of safety net that I have. Nice to, in this weird pandemic, live at home, mm-hmm. not pay rent, mm-hmm. be with my dad, you know, have someone to cook meals for and with and oh, to I have wish. that that kind of homey sense of mm-hmm. yeah. things that I felt like I was lacking in Chicago, especially in the early stages of the pandemic where I was, you know, really in my house mm-hmm. um, with my one roommate and our dog and nobody else. It's been a weird transition for sure, but one that I think all grads are going through at whatever uh, grad level you are. I think we all just have to accept that this is a time of transition for everybody. I've been experiencing cooking fatigue like crazy, and I have no money, but I just refuse to make another meal. I just can't. Me and my partner last night were so, we grocery shopped and we got like 10 frozen meals because we were like, never, never again. (laughs) And we're like, we love to cook. So it's something's wrong. I'm so excited, actually. I do, I'm able to go see my family because everyone is potting it up. And also we have the privilege to like, my parents don't work in like service or really, they don't interact with folks. Um, So yeah, I'm going to see my dad for Christmas and he's from New Orleans and he cooks like, a lot and I'm so excited to eat my weight in like seafood I'm like literally salivating thinking about (laughs) it right now I'm so excited it's not even the cooking fatigue for me it's the dishes fatigue there's so many more dishes when you eat all three meals at home (laughs) yeah it's awful yeah they never stop it's just an awful cycle Uh, Erin you don't have a dishwasher so please do tell (laughs) do explain that it's sad (laughs) that's all it's just like a lot I asked you how it was going in the beginning of the panty. How's it been going now? I go through, like, phases of, like, nothing sounds good either. Like you said, like, you grocery shop and it's just, like, nothing sounds good. All I want to eat is chips. And then I don't have dishes from chips. I'm so over food. I mean, but I love food. Like, that's what's so... It's such a complicated relationship. I just eat a lot of things with my fingers now. And I, like, wasn't one of those (laughs) fingies. I wasn't one of those people, but now I am. Nicole Byer talks about how she doesn't use utensils at all. And I, for a second, thought that was weird until the pandemic hit. And I was like, oh, I won't. I won't. No. No fork here. Why? Fingy. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to wash your hands anyway. Exactly. Or I just, like, I also wasn't someone who would share food with an animal. But every time I eat, I'm like, my my cat's name is Momo. I'm like, you want some chicken? (laughs) You want a little chicky chick? And he'd be like, if you're eating, I'm eating. So. <laughs> my old roommate's cat would lick my plate when I was done. Was <laughs> really sweet. Aww. She really liked avocados and eggs. Aww. Wait, are, can cats eat avocados? Hmm. Why do I think that that's not actually good? <laughs> well, you know, she later. liked it. <laughs> okay, fair. If she was good, then I'm sure it was fine. She's okay. still fine. It wasn't like she was eating a whole lot. It was reasonable. She's good. She's fine. She's living, breathing. She's good. <laughs> How has um, teaching been for you with virtual teaching? It is a challenge. I'm going to say a challenge instead of the word struggle. Let's frame things in a, a positive manner. It's a lot. It's a lot for everyone. From a pe- 
pedagogical standpoint, like I believe that the best way that we can become stronger writers is by doing that in community. And as an educator, I know that's possible. I know it's true, but that's a really tough sell for students right now, especially first year students who are coming off of a semester of Zoom high school, which I can't imagine was fun. I take solace in at least knowing and trying to convey to them that, you know, I went to school to learn how to teach writing and incorporated in that was learning how to teach writing online, which when I took the classes was just a fun skill and a way I could maybe make more money, you know, teaching a side class, but now has become what I do. So I like, I have a lot of empathy for them and recognize where their lack of motivation is coming from and their lack of interest and willingness to kind of even take a, a stab at being engaged because not knowing how long anything is going to last, like, how do you take that feeling that's seeping into your whole life and then go, and now I'm really excited for Professor Palmer's class. I'm so ready to learn about writing. You, you don't. So it's, it's tough. And it's work for me to find ways to build community and collaboration into a digital sphere, polls and breakout rooms and collaborative Google Docs and bringing in speakers and doing all of these things in a, just a different way, mm-hmm. but in a way that I believe can be really powerful and transformative and allow for that community feeling to still exist, yeah. even if it's different, but it's tough, rewarding, but also just a lot of writing on my part and work and reading and emailing and playing mentor and coach and teacher and therapist all at the same time. I have to say that I really love your slides. <laughs> when you post them on your Instagram, I always look at them. You really do. <laughs> you go in on the PowerPoints. I yeah. <laughs> love making slides for class. And I know it that it's so probably... Good doesn't even register in the wave of like media and digital text these students are consuming but I'm like this was fun for me to make exactly and that's all that matters and they look fun you know it also helps me get my brain around Mm -hmm. what we're doing in class I'm a visual learner so it's like if I can take an hour and make something pretty and put my brain in that design space then I Mm -hmm. can also access my my teacher brain which is buried under everything else I think that the creativity that it takes that you're kind of explaining of all of the different types of learning that students need because Zoom fatigue is real and like for both you and students, it's so fun to see someone care about people during a pandemic and care about the personhood behind just the grades and what makes writing so good. I worry that they don't get that equally across all of their classes. Especially, I think of the trends that I see in other educators is like you have on the side just this unwillingness to compromise, right? No, you can't turn things in late. No, you have to have your video on at all times. I'm giving you exactly the same work that I would give you in my real class and there's nothing different and you're going to do it. And then you have on like this other side, these people who are compromising all of their values, which is, well, I can't do X, Y, or Z. So, and it's too hard. So I'm just going to do this other thing that like I don't actually believe in, but it's easy instead of trying to figure it out. And you have like people who are somehow both. That's the thing that I see that like breaks my heart for what our education is right now and what our students expect it to be. When people ask me, like, what's the hardest thing about teaching right now? It's not the pandemic. Like, it's not the digital part. It's the test of empathy Mm. that, like, I have to access that part of my heart and my brain that, like, can put itself in other people's shoes. 
And that is something that like takes mental energy to articulate to myself as I'm reading email after email and I have more time on this. And I go, okay, the part of my, the neurotypical part of my brain says like, no, like, what do you mean you need more time? And then I step back and I go, well, first off, Megan, you didn't turn anything on time and when you weren't ever, ever, I turned nothing on time. And I go, okay, why? It doesn't, and it, it doesn't matter why. It doesn't matter if you yeah. are distressed, if you are sick, if your parents are sick, if you just don't have Wi-Fi, if you are accessing class from a closet because it's the only place that's quiet and you don't have your video on because of that. Mm-hmm. That mental reasoning that I like do with myself every second of like every day that I'm teaching, that's the taxing part. And that's the part that takes time and skill and like is that deep sense of willingness to be compassionate and caring for my students, not only as students, but as people and as a part of right. a larger community and a larger conversation. I see angry academics on Twitter belaboring these students who are never doing their assignments and they go okay but like are they well i feel like unfortunately a lot of the professors i've seen who are really not letting up are stem it's already so hard for students all of my friends who are like pursuing nursing and like biology they were crying every day pre-pandemic so to see them still struggling so much now and also just I've seen a lot of folks who get flagged from the camera on tests for like not actually like cheating or anything they're just it's a very flawed system also who actually cares about cheating in a pandemic but (laughs) conversation with my partner the other day I the cheating thing the fact that uh, academics are so this is a side tangent but (laughs) cares right never again will students be in a position where they are not a allowed to google the answer b ask a co-worker the answer c work on a team like never again i don't go to my job and my co-professors say like you can't google how to like write an assignment sheet like no i google assignment sheet for a professor's speech and i go great look at all these wonderful things that are already out there and then we say students like you can't work with each other and like that's the way the world works well i also feel like it's forcing people to really like yeah think like that and morals who gives a shit about morals like it i just feel like especially i went to a catholic all-girls high school and so cheating was actually considered a sin and we were like damned if we were cheaters and just to like really think about what cheating is actually is who cares about cheating in a system that we created like it doesn't it just doesn't make any sense to me and i every time i see people telling each other how to cheat i'm like good on you hope none of my students ever listen to this if you think professor palmer believes in academic integrity and cheating is bad well i feel like a more like genuinely more for like because i feel like so many courses and other and other departments are like community based and you cheating is quite difficult for like writing papers and like the sense where you're like I work with professors to write it I work with people like thoughts and everything even though like plagiarism is real so I just feel like it's more for test takers test folks it's poopoo doo doo it's a shame and absolutely not a surprise that like schools are also giving no care to be like you can't penalize someone for late work the whole quarter instead of making it the professor's responsibility for you to have to like go through all those emails and like take the act of empathy and and working on that which is so powerful and so cool that you are doing there's going to be so many people that aren't going to do that at all or reconsider their actions or feelings about integrity and what students are allowed to or not allowed to do 
I feel like it's easier to see what professors actually should be professors and who shouldn't and who are just in the position for the money. It's very like it's we knew money. before. You have a whole lot of money in it. <laughs> right. The power. Exactly. I remember actually in high school, I'm not sure why I'm bringing it up so much because I'm not one of those people (laughs) who like the experience. (laughs) But my teacher, who he was very short tempered, but it was because he loved his job like too much. And he once literally was like, do you know how much money I make? (laughs) Like, I'm not here for the money. I have so much debt. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) And that was actually after the whole class did cheat. So, you know. (laughs) full circle he was like can you guys please just try and we were like yeah i guess (laughs) i think it helps that i was a student so recently yeah that i went like in the pandemic at that point had been in school for almost 20 years straight like i had had the time to learn myself as a student and to develop some time management skills and understand my learning style and i still hated it i still didn't do my best Mm -hmm. and then i think of these like freshly 18-year-old students possibly living on campus for the first time coming off of Zoom high school and like I don't know I have like 10 years of like therapy language too to like articulate my experiences and to work through like my mental processes and I think of these students who like do not have that and like that like that's just such a new and raw place and I go I had all of these things and all these supports and I'm for all intents and purposes a grown-up an adult (laughs) and I still Hated it. I was still a bad student last quarter. Like, yeah. Well, no, but like that language isn't even right because you weren't a bad student. You're a person and a student who was experiencing the things going on. Like, I just don't even. It does it even make sense to like label anyone a thing right now because it's like <laughs> who is who is good or bad in a in the middle of a pandemic? Like, it's just it doesn't really. I don't know. I wish that we were past some of, like, the language that we were using, like, especially at least at DePaul around, like, like, one of my professors was, like, if you're going to pursue, like, another degree, you still have to have, like, a 4.0. And I was just, like, I don't even want to go to a school that cares about what my GPA was when I was in a panty. So (laughs) I have just recently started saying panty, and I really love it. (laughs) Very good. It makes it sound almost cute. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and as someone who doesn't see many people or leave my home, I have to make things fun and cute. <laughs> but Meg, that is such a unique experience. This is a very different level of like fatigue, lack of focus. Like I can't stare at a screen for this. Long. Like just all of those things that now you get to like have that perspective on the other side. And that's super cool. I try to find ways to connect with students, which is, I think, a little bit hard in the Zoom space where they like, I don't know, I call this room my office and I, they call me Professor Palmer and they don't necessarily like, I don't know, know how old I am as compared to my one on campus class and they ask me five minutes in. So like, how old are you, miss? Like, <laughs> I'm glad to be here. But like, I don't think they realize to a certain extent, some of them that I am one, not that old, mm-hmm. two, living in like my childhood bedroom teaching class like this is my first real job and i'm like in my childhood bedroom like <laughs> co- like pushing my doctor who posters to the other, <laughs> side, other side of the room so i have a clean wall like wait who's your favorite doctor uh 10 okay David Tennant all the way. uh, Yeah, mine is nine, but ten is like also very good. I I don't know why a lot of people don't love him, but 
I do so much. Anyway. But, like, I share my screen and, like, they see my Avatar The Last Airbender background. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know if I'm doing this wicked right or if I'm just not a Zoom teacher. <laughs> it feels so, I don't know, it feels like I'm standing in my mom's clothes. Like, mm-hmm. they're, like, way too long on my arm <laughs> around the house in her high heels. Someday I figure these students are going to figure me out. <laughs> and I'm sure they'll love it. The glimpse of, oh my god, I also watch Avatar, like, that's just probably making kids' days, left and right. I hope so. If if nothing else, I'm there for the cheap laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes I wish that I could have, like, normal conversations with my professors, and just, I feel like it's, yeah, you're not supposed to get to know your professor in certain ways, but it's, like, very nice to, and, like, I, like... It's sometimes inappropriate to ask, like, oh, like, what are you watching? And just, like, what have you been up to? But I really would love to know. Like, it's hard. I also love, like, learning and community. And this, it's already so different now over Zoom. So, yeah, it's it sucks, like, being, like, I do want to know, like, if you're, like, going through a rough time. And to really I miss em- having an office. This on campus or, like, even just being mm-hmm. able to sit in the library and, like, have me students too. see me being you know, a person and having a space that they can come to. Mm-hmm. Nobody comes to video office hours. <laughs> I leave them running on in the back of my computer while I'm, like, making a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> so you also said that you are singing virtual chorus. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So I am a part of an international organization of uh, barbershop singers, uh, an all-women's organization. What? <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, my God. Keep going. Uh, I've been singing Barbershop for almost eight years now. I started when I was in high school. How did I not know this? I don't know. I actually moved. I actually applied to school in Chicago because I really, really wanted to sing with a chorus that is in Chicago. Oh, my God. That are, like, among the best of the best. So I applied to the school in Chicago, got in, and I joined uh, this chorus in Chicago, the Melodiers. They are a, like, seven-time gold-winning chorus in our organization. We came in third place at international contest when I was there. Uh, And when all of this pandemic stuff started, uh, we had to go to online rehearsals Mm -hmm. pretty quickly, which feels like truly a lifetime ago that we were, like, trying to teach all our old ladies (laughs) how to use Zoom uh, (laughs) and how to change their name and their background and join breakout rooms. It was... It has been both, like, helpful as well as, like, something for me to kind of work through. What should have happened is I should have moved home and joined my home chorus, right? Like, in a perfect world, I would have come back and I could have joined the people that I had sung with before I left uh, and had that community, like, waiting for me, which, like, is not a possibility right now and will not be for quite some time. Choruses are, we're super spreaders. Like, we sing, we... Hug, we project, and it's just like you're getting spit on by four rows right. of ladies. Like, yeah. When one person gets a cold, we've all got a cold. Like, that's just how it works. So, like, we know mm-hmm. it will not go back to any semblance of normal for us for much longer than, like, if I, I don't know, played adult soccer, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, or if I did an activity with a community that was just, like, differently oriented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, knowing that and coming back was, like, very tough, and mm-hmm. I didn't really want to join the chorus that I had been a part of for years before I moved to Chicago because like, what am I working towards? Like I couldn't find that kind of motivation within myself Mm -hmm. to want to learn, to want to learn new music, to want to like do this thing. I just, I didn't want to hate it. Right. I didn't want to come back and have it not be 
the thing that I had been missing. The good thing, though, is that it means I still get to sing with my Chicago chorus. Mm -hmm. I say sing in quotation marks. They are more than happy to, like, let me, you know, stay and sing and make social media graphics. I think that's the only real reason. (laughs) But I can see them even though I don't live there and I get to sing with them and sing the music that we know and Mm -hmm. work towards, you know, the goal of just being better singers right now and just Mm -hmm. staying in shape having that space for community just seeing these people that i sang with you know once a week for two years and getting to see them and getting to be in a zoom with 60 70 80 women how is it how do you do it how do you all do the zoom rehearsals because can you do it at the same time no absolutely not (laughs) we do sing we are like learning new music we have audio tracks and music that we all learn from individually We run the songs in Zoom and we all sing, we all stand, we do choreo sometimes. Uh, So there is the part of it where we are still like singing and sending in tapes to our tape checkers to listen to and to help us. We're in the process of putting together a virtual chorus, uh, which is just so much work in terms of working in Premiere Pro and putting everybody's little boxes together and matching up. Yeah, it's it is a it is one thing I'm glad they did not ask me to, uh, to, to try to tackle. Yeah. Um, I'm happy living in my making things for Instagram bubble. Yeah. <laughs> but we're planning like a holiday party for right before the holidays in December. Uh, we had a guest night. We've had new people join the chorus, which is crazy. People who oh my God. want to do this so badly and just can't even be in the same room with us and are still willing to, you know, audition and sing and learn and be better so after I kind of got past my mourning period because I think that's really what I was going through especially when I moved back it's just that knowledge that I would never sing with those people again and we were supposed to go to contest right at the beginning of the pandemic so like I lost my last like real opportunity to sing and win a medal and be with them so like once I got past that like moment of just like I, mean, I say moment, like two months of just being a dick and yeah. being like, I don't want to go. I yeah. don't want to like feel sad and depressed thinking of these things that I can't have or do or be around. Mm-hmm. Once I got past that, like now I go to course every week and it's like my two hours of time where I am by myself and get yeah. to move and do things and see the people that I love and miss. That's dope. That sounds so cool. I am so glad that you guys were able to like maintain that sense of community i mean how has that been for you in terms of emotionally handling the pandemic how has that community been for you i think everybody is realizing how important the communities they have are in the wake of not being able to have them in the same way i have friends who i have talked to and you know seen from 10 feet away in the park more now than I would have otherwise mm-hmm. you know I have especially after moving home I you know got together with a couple of my friends you know from college the four of us and just, you know sitting on our blankets in a big old park and I was like you know like we would probably would not have seen each other like we would not have made time for this in our regular like because we just wouldn't have it in our minds to prioritize it yeah I think the fact that it is something that we can prioritize better and more intentionally is something that is valuable. It will make me forever be grateful to like go to a grocery store and (laughs) live any kind of normal life. 
think just really important for us to question what normal is and who it serves. Yeah. And who we leave out of that normal. And I think that's been really good to see as well. Yeah. Also, I forgot to say, congratulations, you finished school. (laughs) That's amazing. Like, you did that. A little anticlimactic, I will say. Especially after, you know, DePaul canceled finals, I, you know, sent... Right. I sent my emails to my professor, like, I'm not doing my finals. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. And then I, like, closed my laptop, and I'm sitting there, like, yeah. Okay, did I just, like, graduate? Did I <laughs> It was the weirdest, it was the weirdest transition period. We, yeah, me and Aaron had the same thing. They would be like, well, write about your experience <laughs> in, like, the pandemic. And I was like, no. Like, I'm grieving. Like, like I, I just want to graduate. Right. And, like, I've I've said this a number of times, Aaron. I suddenly got so drunk on my graduation. And I don't really... Well, no. this I was about to say, I don't really get drunk. That's a lie. Um, But I don't around my family. And it was so quick. And it was mimosas. Um, and come 2 p.m., I was just, like, out. And when I woke up, I was like, this is sad. <laughs> like, I was just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I get to have like some semblance of a graduation when I came back. My family, my like two families that my family's really close to from like elementary school, each of us had somebody graduating at some level. So me and my brother were graduating. One friend was graduating high college, and another friend was graduating high school. So we had like we had like, like a little That's ceremony in our backyard, and we all wore our gowns, and they made us hats and certificates really and. It was very silly and, like, driven by, like, mom energy of, like, we need to celebrate these kids. Like, we got so It feels very, like, like childhood birthday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a weird, a weird graduating time. But. It really was. And then I have so much, like, I'm not, I'm not very resentful. I just get salty for a bit of time. Um, I was so salty about the, like, freaking sports happening. Because, like, how can all these folks be there doing that? And I couldn't be... We can't, like, spread our chairs 20 feet apart from each other with, like, family in a field, like... In our our literally massive, um, what, arena that we built, that was a milli. It was a couple milli. (laughs) And we couldn't just put the seats far away. I was livid. Ridiculous. You can be... I'm resentful. I'll be resentful. No, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm gonna be pretty upset for a while. Hopefully, I'll be able to walk, what, that'll be, it be in four years <laughs> for the doctorate. Because I know I'm not walking for the master's at all. Yeah, too so. soon. Too soon. Yeah. Still exciting, though. Still so, exciting that we all graduated. Right. I'm still very happy. Um. Also, when DePaul was like, we'll give you virtual degrees, I was like, I haven't opened a single one of those emails. They spelled my name wrong on my um on my certificate. No. No, okay, wrong words. They didn't spell it wrong. They messed up where my hyphen is. Actually, I don't even I think I've blocked it out so much I can't even remember what exactly they did, but I looked at it and put it right away cuz I was like that's not my name. <sighs> Rude. Also, I have every single one of my names is is like four to five letters. So it's like you had one job. I know that there's a lot of them, but still, it's so simple. <laughs> they should be able to fix that for you, I assume, right? Yeah, I think so. But I just hate communicating with the school to begin with, so I don't know. <laughs> I love the school asking me for my money as soon as I graduated. Yeah. Would you donate to our COVID-19 fund? I'm nope. like, <laughs> <laughs> <"That's> my job? <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, where... 
I just don't, I can't imagine the COVID-19 fund really blew me because I'm like, for all of the things, for all of the buildings, for all the things that were cut, you didn't have, what did the, where did the money go? Like, I'm not the alumni you should be asking. Like, why do you call up, I don't know, the Stranger Kids DePaul alumni? You know, right. Call, call Joe Keery. Don't call me. If you know I still owe you, right. leave me alone. Don't ask me for a single cent of money. Ridiculous. We are in November. We are fully in the pandemic. What do you taking going forward um with continuing teaching staying in your community and like what does that sort of look like for you I think I haven't perfected any of it Mm -hmm. I feel like by this point in the pandemic I want to have like some sage words to like (laughs) give to anybody like like I've done that we've all done this for however many months like I feel like by this point I should have come to some grand realization and I think in like small ways I have but Sometimes I feel like like I'm not there, and I feel like this is like one of those things that you can't process while you're in it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like just adding into my list of like, okay, traumas that I'm gonna have to talk with my therapist in five years. Like after yeah. I've kind of processed through it and I'm able to go into a target without hyperventilating, and <laughs> once I get to that point, maybe I will be able to like look back on this with mm-hmm. some sense of understanding or. Yeah kindness towards it and myself for right now though I think like there's only so much we can each do Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's the part that is a struggle for me knowing that I can really only control like what goes in and out of my house and Mm -hmm. who I see and when I see them and that if we lived in a world where everybody thought like that like how do I create the safest spaces for myself and for my neighbors if everybody did that collectively like we would all create something that's better and I think that's valuable to take into any kind of the work whatever your version of the work is is that if you can do something meaningful in your local community whether that is your family unit your town your state if you are able to you know, contribute in that way, then like, we will all be better off. We are only as strong as our weakest links. And sometimes those weakest links are people getting drinks on Federal Hill at 2pm on Tuesday. (laughs) They need a photo for their brunch Instagram. Like sometimes they are our weakest links. I think we are able to see that but we are only as safe and as well as those of us who are not. Mm -hmm. And if we can prioritize each other in that way, then like, I think we would all be in a very different place. Those were the wisest words. I don't know what you were talking about. I know. And I, it's, it's that writing degree to pull for. <laughs> you're right. You're right. And you, but also you made that degree, you know? Because there's people with that degree that shouldn't talk. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a little shady. But truly, so, I mean we can't necessarily process everything that's like happening but very so well said (laughs) yeah that was like so beautifully said i'm gonna re-listen to that when i'm like sad seriously my last question i actually don't even think i've asked one question so my question (laughs) is um what have you been like what's your thing that you've been like watching or eating like your little happy thing i love to hear people's (laughs) whatever they're doing to just be like yay my partner and I are rewatching The West Wing. Oh, hell yeah. Just like happy 
joyful government mm. was something <laughs> I needed in my life. Just something yeah. to fill a void. So that's one of the things I've been reading a lot. Check oh, out my yeah. book Instagram. I've read like 60 books since the pandemic you are started. I'm on the I, every time you post one, I'm like, it's like 70 something. And I'm like, I'm on number four. <laughs> What's I your book Instagram? Everything I think is part of it is that I, I consider everything reading, which I think yeah. is maybe like some purists don't, but I'm like, it's an audiobook is reading. Oh, it's yeah, a comic of course book it is. is reading. Yes. It's a childhood favorite that I read in an hour. It's reading. Wait, what's your, yeah, what's your book Instagram? Sorry, but my Instagram, oh, my yes. regular, yes. Do you have a Goodreads? I don't keep up with, is that like a thing still? That's a thing! <laughs> Tell if it's like, a li- if it's still popular. or like It's popping. It's, I think it's back, and I think Nina brought it back. Single-handedly. Single-handedly, yes, trying Nina to bring it back. <laughs> sponsored by Goodreads. I would love that. Like, seriously? Degrees. You need to will it into the universe. Good, Goodreads, if you're listening. I tweet about Goodreads every single week. I check my Goodreads every single day. I check like, it your is Goodreads. my pride. And joy. But I check your. I love seeing what people are reading. We should be friends on Goodreads, Meg. Yes. Right. I'll, I'll get it. I'll, I'll resuscitate it. Okay. But I'm you glad. That, that all counts as reading. And yes. it all... Is... I read a lot. So that's yeah. my happy thing. I joined a book group. I do dance with my cousin. I am finding small things to be joyful about. Well, my my thing is definitely doing this episode because it was really... I love hearing you talk about things. You really have a a way of, like, talking about shitty things that makes it feel, like, okay. Just thank you so much for coming and doing thank this. Thank you for having me. It's been so great. Yeah, it's been wonderful. It's been so nice. I just love your perspective. Me too. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to our episode of Anthropology in the Time of the Apocalypse. <laughs> And that's the end of a really fun episode. Thank you for listening. Make sure to check us out on all our social medias, which are Anthro in 2020 on Instagram and Twitter. You can also check out our link trees for our episode transcriptions, all the platforms you can find the episodes. And if you want to be on the podcast, fill out a survey and we will get back to you. And hopefully we can collab and talk about how cool you are. So stay safe out there in the apocalypse. Woo! Ah, anthropology in the time of the apocalypse. You've been listening to Earbud Media Production. Earbud Media. Audio for everyone.